0: Welcome, once again, to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 169, recorded live on September 5th, 2010. And here are your hosts, the man who still is not wearing any shoes, Dave Pillay. Hi! You're the man who is normally the moderator, I guess, of the podcast, Andy Lowe. Hi. Our uh, guests uh the man who actually is holding the microphone and is in charge of it, Clickpick Tony from Epic Default.
1: They're going to hate me by the end of this.
0: Our next guest is also from Epic Default. Fault, Johnny Nero. Hello again. Our next guest is uh, Zero Hour from...
2: NakedGamer.com.
0: NakedGamer.com. And we have RC Cars from the West Coast train trip and this year, actually, the cross-country super trip. How's it going? And we have Kaza, one of our favorite Australians, on the show. Can I that? What? Yeah. Yes, I got Johnny. Jeez. There's, there's like too many people here. There's like 30, <laughs> 30 takes. No, no. Go. Well, the the is already done. Now we are in the show. This is
3: banter section of the show before we get to topics
1: banter yes
3: <laughs> this is the
2: banter section of the it show the debate it, discourse,
1: you you and your banter is what really causes problems <laughs>
2: uh, that is
1: absolutely true <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> no, you shut up. Okay, no, no, no. Everyone shut up now. We're going to get this to the whole thing <laughs> started,
3: okay? So Tony's actually going to hate the rest of us by the end of the episode. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, I never said it was mutually exclusive. <laughs> All right, so the way we're getting this started... trolling Tony the whole show. Oh, dear sweet Lord. Now, <laughs> in order to start up this podcast, I think the best thing to do is to hit off the thing that most people think of when they think of PAX as far as from not knowing what PAX is. It's the Expo Hall. Video games. So I want to get your ideas, your thoughts on what you liked and disliked from the Expo Hall. Let's start with Andy. Oh, um,
0: <laughs> well. Way to be on top, Andy. Well, I thought we were going to go like around in a circle or something, you know, make it a nice order. But the Expo Hall, it was freaking huge. I actually, no joke, got lost. I kept on having to get different maps because I kept on losing the maps and then I would get in the Expo Hall going, okay, where the hell am I in this thing? And there was a lot of stuff.
1: What of it did you particularly like?
0: Oh, wow. What what did I... I'm not sure if I actually really liked anything in the... (laughs) Well, okay, so you had Duke Nukem Forever, for those of you who didn't catch the news. It was even on Yahoo, for goodness sakes. Duke Nukem Forever is alive again. Well, too late for our bet, but anyway. um, You had Duke Nukem Forever, and you had the other major games, but it was... there was just a lot of people there, so trying to check out the major titles was just literally waiting in line. We burned an hour of them. The pure media time was media only. We burned an hour of that time because we realized if we didn't, we would have to burn four hours later to check out Duke Nukem. So technically,
4: we're saving three hours, but it was still lines. I mean, talking with some of the expo enforcers, the lines this year were just utterly mental. I mean, we had three-hour lines for Duke Nukem. It was three hours to get from the back of the goddamn line up one wall, along another, across to the booth, around the booth, and in.
5: Did we maybe think that's because it's Duke Nukem?
0: Well, no, but wasn't that? Was it was. There was still. It was a two-hour wait for Portal Two when I stopped by there and asked them. It was an hour and a half to an hour and forty-five-minute wait for Dragon Origins Two. There were big releases this year. These were huge games
2: that people have been like expecting in some cases for thirteen years. I think it was a lot of it was because a lot of these uh, companies are realizing that when they announce their stuff at E3, it gets lost in the crowd of E3. I okay and especially in Duke Nukem's case, where it was the joke of the gaming community for the last 12 years, this was the spot to do it. And to give the listeners that may not have been to PAX a sense of what were the lines we were talking about, the walls of Duke Nukem were about 20 feet on one side by about 15 feet on the other, and it still took three hours.
1: Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Although, for me, the most ridiculous thing was waiting, like, 30 or 45 minutes just to watch a demo of Portal 2. I thought that was kind of stupid.
6: Yeah, that was kind of a little bit nuts.
0: And The line for Portal 2 was watching a demo?
1: Yeah, yeah, there was four people standing in front of television to watch the game being played.
0: Alienware had a playable demo at their booth of Portal
3: 2. Are you telling me that people lined up at the wrong booth? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't. <laughs> yes.
1: yes, they
4: did. Wait, wait, Alienware had a playable version. Those motherfuckers, i never go near them because I thought they are just stupid fucking computer shit.
6: I'm and really now it's like Box is kind of as it is. I mean, they sold out to Dell, but that's a whole other argument for a whole other day. That's actually, it, no, they've completely changed. It's worth sitting
3: and talking to an Alienware rep about that Dell left them completely alone, and their stuff has changed significantly in the last couple of years. It's affordable, relatively. For what you get in the laptop,
2: it's comparable prices, and it's really good shit. Oh, and just to be fair, I knew about the portal thing all weekend,
1: and I just didn't tell anybody else because, A, you know... You're I mean, a trolling douchebag.
2: Yeah, that has less to do with the fact that I like alienway and more to do with the fact that uh, Monday Night Time it was directly across
1: from it. Yeah, I thought it was completely ridiculous when I walked by there. But, I mean, I don't know, was there something you particularly liked out of the hall?
2: I
5: actually, we never went to the hall, I just wanted to say something about Duke Nukem before we got too far off of that. I would never wanted to even go in the line of Duke Nukem because I was afraid that it was going to be like one of those seven days kinds of things. Like, I'd see the thing, I'd get a phone call on my cell phone an hour later, someone would whisper to me seven days, and in seven days I'd be dead because there's no goddamn way anyone's going to be playing this game.
2: My theory about the entire Duke Nukem thing that I was going to go in there, Rick Astley was going to, to Rick Roll me personally, <laughs> and then after he was done singing, somebody from 3D Rebels was going to pop out and hit me in the back of the head with a rush sock full of quarters.
4: Actually, the entire Duke Nukem thing was Kool-Aid. It was Randy Pitchford came out got you all excited you got to play and you came out like in brainwash going we loved you. Duke is our friend and then they gave you steroids men.
0: I got the belt buckle I do have to say that, granted I had to tweet for that but
4: meh. I managed to tweet for that by tweet picking a picture of me playing it back to my friends in Australia saying hey guys guess what I'm playing <laughs> <laughs> and giving them the finger. I do have to say Andy's Duke Nukem
3: tweet
1: was still a haiku. Of
0: course it's me tweeting it has to be a haiku no matter what. I'm that good
1: by the way. Okay so I think we covered the Duke Nukem and Portal a little bit. What about... Did anyone give a rat's ass about Gears of War 3? Anybody? Okay, no. Oh, <laughs> to be fair,
2: I did notice one cool thing. They have a new mode where uh, back in Gears of War 1 and 2 when you played as a locust you were a random generic locust and I noticed I didn't actually get hands-on but I sat there and observed it and saw that you actually get to play as the individual locust. I saw people playing as tickers. It a centipede thing? No, the tickers so a little oh. thing ran around and then it would jump at you and go... I <laughs> saw
3: someone playing as, as a centipede thing.
2: Yeah, I have no idea that, what it is because I haven't played what Gears what? of War 2 That was just a cool feature to me because now the Gears are just the Gears and now the Locust, it actually matters who you are.
1: Yeah, I just still don't care. Yeah, they're kind of pretty much. Really, you don't care about
5: Gears of War 3. Out of everyone I know, you're always like, Gears of War is like awesome, it's the greatest thing ever. Gears of War 2 is better than Gears of War 1.
1: When did I ever use the words, Gears of War is the best thing ever? (laughs) I'm embellishing. (laughs) A little bit.
4: In the same area, I mean, people were lining up to play Halo Reach. That thing comes out next Next
2: week. week. (laughs) Who gives a shit?
1: Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous.
0: Oh my goodness, looking at the line for that, I'm like, why is there a line here? Is
2: it like new hardware? The reason there was a line there is because that was the only place Microsoft was giving out codes at this time. I watched everybody line up and half of them were talking about, oh, Microsoft is giving a code if you play this game. I don't know what it was for. I assume it was for some avatar item, but that's why half the people
1: were lined up. That sounds about right.
0: Oh my god, I have to do this to get a virtual coat or a hat or a burned armor or whatever? Oh.
1: Or sit uh, sit around creating a character so you can get a USB Final Fantasy 14 thing to be able to have your character later on. I think it only had like 256 kilobytes of space on the damn USB drive. It's
3: worth noting some companies depend on shit like that for their entire income thing, like Riot Games, the guys who do League of Legends. Skins is where they make their money. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, that ultimately becomes the difference between a game that is pay to play and a game that's based on microtransactions. Microtransactions game need the skins and the little tiny purchases that everybody complains about to survive.
1: Yeah. Now, did anyone actually like or dislike particularly the new Fallout, what is it, New Vegas? I'm
6: kind of mixed feelings about it. I mean, I didn't get a chance to actually um, uh, sit too much time with it, but I mean, I kind of got the feeling that actually from what little I seen of it, I mean, it's kind of like they went and took um, uh, Fallout 3, repackaged it in Las Vegas, and then just re-released it. Granted, I could be proven wrong here, but it just kind of felt like a little bit the same. Well, what's
5: really wrong with that? Because Fallout 3 was pretty badass. It's still little done today.
1: I thought it was really fun myself. Although I played it kind of like a JRPG, and I got 180 hours on it, and I still hadn't even beaten the game.
2: See, so my thing is, saying that there's an issue because it's the same thing twice as saying that all Mega Man games suck.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much.
0: Yeah. I like Mega Man, so fuck right you. You also like Final Fantasy. Yeah, so fuck you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Were there any uh, particular indie games that popped out to you guys? The big
2: one I saw was a game called Morocco. In it, you have six classes you can choose from. It's an 8-bit game on the Xbox Live Arcade that's coming out to an Xbox Live PC and a bunch of stuff. And pl- it's a heist game, actually. You have different guys who can do different things, but the ultimate objective is the heist. You're supposed to be breaking in, dodging cameras. So you can't fire weapons. The entire game is controlled with two buttons. Your left thumbstick which when you bump into stuff like computers for the hacker, he hacks the lockpick and pick safe and doors really easily. And your X button, which does your special ability, which is like uh, for the medic, he can run in and chloroform a guard that way that people don't get shot.
1: So it's all a super defensive,
2: almost anti-violence type yeah, system. You, you are completely in objective is to get the package and get out as unsecured as possible because nobody can take hits in that game except the tough guy as they call him. Besides the packs ten, which we did the episode on, and like they were all absolutely amazing play
3: take. <laughs> Go on. play, it's from a group of people from ITT Tech who have graduated and moved on. They started doing this as a a small studio. It is a side-scrolling action-adventure shooter similar to Contra or Abuse or any of that genre where you are an antivirus program killing infected other programs with your guns. It is fantastic. It is beautiful. It is still very early in the development cycle, but it is great, and it was really surprising, and I loved it.
1: All I know is when I was walking in the area, I really wanted that arcade version of Castle Crashers that was freaking awesome. Alright, they're not indie anymore.
2: Behemoth. Behemoth, they've moved beyond indie at this point. When you've made as much money as Newgrounds and Behemoth, no matter who you are and what publishers you have, you are no longer indie. But I live 20 minutes from Newgrounds. They are not indie anymore. <laughs> Thank you for supporting me on that. <laughs>
0: but they're still making indie-ish titles? No, no,
3: no, They're making Xbox Live titles. They are not
1: making
0: indie-ish titles.
1: hes subtle a little bit distinct different.
0: Yeah, I could sort of see that, but you're still thinking of like... Things like the Lower Croft game and oh. you have Castle Crash it's like saying Uber is an
3: indie developer just because they aren't a huge publisher these are guys who worked with Stardock and guest powered games they aren't indie anymore they're
0: still not I- what you think of as a major developer they're still not actually packaging and shipping a physical
2: product
5: I think we're witnessing the origins of a video game hipster argument
2: <laughs> pretty much to be fair that is also because a lot of the developers are starting to realize that digital download is a the future of gaming. It has less to do with the physical package now and more with a way to get games to the gamers for cheaper because a lot of the developers are starting to realize that once you cut out manufacturing costs, you can lower the price of your game and have it reach a lot more people.
1: Which that's been really heating up lately as far as the topic of discussion.
2: I was
3: actually talking to the guys who did Torchlight about this. They said, they told me, they make as much on a $5 digital distribution copy of Torchlight as they do on the $20 Walmart edition. Wow. Yeah, that just hurts. Oh, yeah. That hurts
1: my soul, isn't Doesn't it? Well, I'm just
0: thinking, like, okay, so yes, I could see with Steam, with digital distribution, that yes, I'm trying to shield myself from Dave. <laughs> oh. I
1: win.
0: You don't win. I you win. win.
1: So guys, how about that expo hole, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Now the one thing I guess we've hit some 360, we have hit some PS3, we have hit some indie. I'm kind of intrigued about PC gaming, anything that you guys want to really get at.
4: I actually wanted to bring up the point that I think one of the booths that really brought it to PAX was goddamn Disney.
1: Hell's yeah. yes. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> there was guys doing the Donald Duck. I got a great photo of an animator drawing this beautiful beautiful sketch of Donald Duck that just I just blew my mind. And that was a, just a great addition. To be
2: fair before I actually had the chance to sit down and look at epic disney i laughed it off as just another kids game exactly when i just sat down and played it the mechanics in it are so great you really only have two functions for your quote-unquote weapon you have one that erases and one that paints you can either re- remove things from the world or add things to it and in the world adjust to that just that function and in your loading screens you have a little like thing to wipe your mind off cool the stress down and it just becomes a little old school side-scroller platform game based on an an old mickey mouse cartoon and the really cool part about this game is character of Oswald the Unlucky Rabbit who actually was Walt Disney's very first cartoon that Universal when he went off to start his own company Universal refused to get it for him they just got Oswald back and the first thing they did with him was put him in this game
1: yeah and seeing the way that they set up just the whole area actually just it really made you feel like you were just enveloped within this world they had these beautiful images just surrounding you as you're playing the game it really just had a great impact
0: to me that booth actually had a little bit of a Disney place down in LA no no the Disney uh, Concert Hall. It's out in LA. In L-
3: the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Yeah,
0: and it, it, to me, when I first saw that, like, I could tell that, yes, LA, Florida, other sides of the country. You lose. Oh. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I think we're 1-1 now. <laughs> I could tell when I looked at it, I'm like, that's Disney, without even realizing that it was Disney.
1: Yeah, it's definitely got me, well, I don't know, I'm I'm probably one of the few peoples in here that actually likes Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that. Okay, good. So, um, I'm not alone, thank the freaking Lord. Anyway, so that kind of pushes me.
5: I think Kingdom Hearts is okay, it's just I don't play JRPGs.
1: Yeah, but I guess maybe because of that and then my love of old Disney animations, I was particularly interested in Epic Disney, because I was kind of seeing what the approach was going to be, and I, I... it was pretty refreshing and it solidified the thought process that I really want to see where the whole game's going to be whenever they get it finished. I had no idea. But Actually
4: a lot of the enforcers during setup were getting in trouble because people were going into, we're not supposed to go into Expo Hall while Union's in there because the forklifts, safety issues, so, so, things like that. But as soon as we heard about the Epic Mickey booth, we, like a lot of people were going, going in there and just staring at it going, oh my god, that looks beautiful. And then right next to it, the Tron booth with the life-size light cycle. The
1: huge Tron letters which were also gorgeous. Oh yeah, it, it was a beautiful booth. Now, the, the gameplay? I was just going to say, let, let's be honest here, if there, was a, if there were awards in pack for best-looking
2: booth, it'd be Disney and then maybe Bethesda in second place.
1: I loved the big dinosaur. That was a lot of fun over over the Bethesda and the huge wall, the huge image of New Vegas. I did thoroughly enjoy that. Did anyone get a chance to play Tron? I didn't no. get a chance to play Tron, but
6: I was just going to say, speaking of uh, kind of epic-looking booths, did anyone catch the DeLorean for the Back to the Future thing? Yes! Oh.
1: yes. Yeah. I don't know what the game gameplay like, but I got to see a freaking DeLorean and that was always I've, awesome.
3: I've heard that they are getting the original actors to come back and voice act for the game.
5: Oh, yes. I get, it, it, all they had for this game was the DeLorean, and then post solid There was no... I went looking for video of this game for gameplay or demos or anything. There was nothing there except the real life-size DeLorean, and that alone made me say, I'm buying this fucking game when it comes out. I don't care how good, bad, indifferent it is. I'm buying it. It's like Ghostbusters to me.
0: It, I actually looked this up. You know how, actually, how easy easy it is now to make yourself your own DeLorean time machine. You can buy DMC down out of Texas. You can buy a brand new DeLorean. Are you can
6: you... buy from the factory in California. They still pop them out.
0: No. Well, technically, the, the Texas company has a factory, quote unquote, where they just have all the spare parts that they bought from AC Delco. And then there's a guy out, I think he's out in Palo Alto, who's, he basically decided to make it his lifetime job to figure out all the parts for the time machine. And that's what he does. He just makes the movie quality replica parts that you can just bolt onto. your. DeLorean to make it a time machine.
1: Well, okay. Just
0: saying that it's a really, really easy to just make yourself a time machine. In. Yeah, it's still, still awesome.
1: it still does look cool, though.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's it's, it's a it's an amazing looking vehicle.
1: Because it just, it, that's one of those like yeah. capturing the hearts and minds. That's almost like a Disney thing. Yeah. Question, uh, am I a nerd because I'm the only
2: one that can tell exactly which Back to the Future was from based on the things inside of it and attached to it? Like, I'm like, there's no Mr. Fusion. I know exactly which one it is. Damn straight. Wow. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I can even do Could you do that? Yeah, okay. Have have it. It. Yes. yes. First he here, one. And then he put stuff on the hood for
5: the third one. By the way, I was running a time cruise with Mike uh, from the community uh, and the West Coast the strangers here filming us.
1: Okay, so, I mean, there were there's probably a few other things, I mean, tons of other things we could talk about with the Expo Hall, but I kind of want to get to some of the different panels and screenings that were going on. Now, who got to spend, I mean, I know Johnny and I got to do it, but did anyone else get to spend some decent time with some of the guys from Loading Ready Run? Because they had a big presence over here, and I thought they did a damn good job with
6: it. Actually, me and you went caught in the movie night time with the Loading Ready Run guy guys, and that was just an awesome night, just, just basically going through all their old footage and just basically just kind of touching base on that. That was just really an
1: awesome time. And doing a little mst 3 k of it as well.
6: Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the commentary. Oh, God, the commentary. Yeah. I know Rob and Mike were kind of
5: the two guys who got me interested in legendary Run, and i have kind of been showing Anthony stuff about them, and, but that was Anthony's chance to actually go through the archives like I had done earlier this
1: year. Yeah, it was, they compiled this three-hour thing of all these different pieces that they had done, and I just could not help but spend three hours just laughing my freaking ass off at all that stuff it was fantastic
5: and one of the best things about hanging out with them is that every single one of this is a crew of about what 10 12 13 people every single one of them are some of the nicest sweetest people you will ever meet
1: and I guess some of the some even guys over here that don't know what loading ready run is could just go to the escapist and you'll find some of their stuff they do ennn news they do all kinds of little things that are over there and unskippable
2: I'm aware of them
1: because I go to the escapist every Wednesday for one
2: particular hate Okay. show and then I don't <laughs> over and it and I don't go back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, I was short with it Fuck Yahtzee Whoa! Bam <laughs> They're coming from an Australian wow. <laughs> Yeah see cousin and I are on the same page On this one Them's fighting words <laughs> Yeah I remember when I watched The Bioshock 2 trailer With Yahtzee And he was bitching about Having to kill all these guys When you had to drain Adam from a dead corpse And I'm like really That's just you being shitty At gameplay w- We need to get back on top Anyway other panels That people liked Or particularly disliked Wait Dave Are you telling me I'm Get back on topic. I believe he did.
2: (laughs) Actually, I only had a chance to catch two big panels. That was the live TRS show, which actually was really, really good because uh, TRS being totally rad show from uh, Revision 3. I'll be honest, I don't go to a lot of panels because I have this issue with being talked to for a long period of time. It's the worst thing about being a journalist, actually. <laughs> and, um... You have a problem being talked to, yet you're never wrong. That's why I do all my interviews very casually. Everybody loves it. I'm happy, they're happy, because they, they talk to journalists all the time, and it's nice for them to have somebody just to, you know... But uh, at the TRS show, the coolest part was the actually the question section, because I never uh, got my head to wrap around, because I had never made it to a QA and a or anything like that for Penny Okay, to see the types of questions they get. With some of the random, yet entertaining questions they had like at one point somebody asked the guys if you were D&D class what would you be oh and you have to pick each other's class Steptoe's Xbox Live Enforcement panel today it was
4: fucking hilarious because his normal one is him going up there doing his bit about book of enforcement telling a story and then just talking and then taking questions today he actually had him and two of his team they each did a third of the talk one of them did his talk using videos of debunking myths from Xbox Live Enforcement such as oh uh, the Xbox Enforcement Pro it's automated. So they showed a video of them just standing around with a guy in a shitty cardboard robot suit at the keyboard doing all the banning. And one of, oh, we just ban random people. So they had a video of them having a ban party in the Xbox Live offices with Steptoe sitting there in a pink bathrobe and a jug of beer (laughs) and demanding, bring me a gamer tag. And then him banning Major Nelson.
1: (laughs) There was a small one that I caught, I don't think any of you guys did, about Journey Quest. It's this group based out of Seattle or Tacoma and they do some pretty, it's pretty hilarious stuff. It's just a straight up spoof of D&D with just real life actors But yeah, did a pretty damn good job of it and I I think they're just starting this whole season one and they did the first couple episodes uh, on the screening and I I definitely recommend it. I thought it was pretty funny.
2: Out of the more serious panels, I think the best one, just maybe it's because it's relevant to my interest, was one by the guys from AbleGamers.com. They did an entire panel on how MMOs are giving people that are completely disabled like they can't leave their house or or they're bound to a wheelchair give disabled gamers a chance at a second life because you know they what people a lot of people don't realize is when you become disabled you kind of get taken back from society because I could tell you I used a wheelchair at cons a lot of people tend not to pay attention, either politeness or just because most people in wheelchairs tend to be below people's line of sight. And because of that, you know, it's like another check of society that's ignored.
5: I'm going to bring this up now, and Anthony, you're going to probably rant about this when we're going to make this as quick as possible. The X-Play panel. We
2: uh, went in there to see
5: the... Was anyone else here at the X-Play panel? Yes. We're... Okay, Sue saw this too. All right, we went in there because we were waiting for the Q&A. They didn't clear the theater, and it was cool. It was a good panel. I mean, we like Adam Sessler and all that kind of stuff, and it was good until they got to the fucking end. They did this horrible, like, children's theater kind of thing with this guy dressed up as Carmine from Gears of War. It was this totally shitty recording. There was a guy behind us who said this is insulting and I would have normally gone back and like, dude, stop being a dick. I would, turn back to him and like, dude, I totally fucking agree. It was the most insulting, boring, awkward thing I have ever seen at Hacks and I never expected it from the guys at X-Play and I'm almost sure that everyone on the stage was like, this isn't working. Like, how the fuck can we get out of this? Because they even brought Gabe and Tycho out to present them $150,000 check because it was talking about the end of the save Carmine kill Carmine kind of thing presented so with $150,000 check for child's play and even when they walked out you could see on their faces they're like what the f-? Fuck just happened.
6: And that's one of the things I kinda noticed about it. It's just basically it was it was a great Q and A once they just went to the Q and A. But when they, with the whole hosting, the carmine thing and everything like that, it's like they literally went and took all that really nasty, just kind of just crappy sketch comedy that they throw into attack of the show and everything like that and tried to force it upon this Q and A. And it's really one of the things that just kinda turned me off from it.
5: It was like a commercial break, is what they were doing. It's like they'd have a, they'd have a few questions, they'd do trivia and stuff like that, and that was fun. And then they go to like a commercial break where they do something like the only thing that was really funny was the true Hollywood story.
6: Yeah, that was at least good and polished. I mean they actually Took a little bit of time with that, but I mean, everything else was just felt like it was just a little forced. I mean, even the Twitter questions. I mean, it's the exact same thing they do on Attack of the Show. We're basically just like, you know, we're on a good beat here, but now we're actually going to force it over to something else just because we have to. Felt a little just unpolished.
0: So bad. It's kind of funny. I don't really see Penny Arcade people in the same veins as most G4 shows, other than X Play. Yeah, X-Play, uh, other, other than Adam Sessler. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
6: I mean, X Play is pretty much one of the last bastions of hope of uh, G4. I mean, really. I mean, if you ask about any- any gamer, all of them will say the main reason they watch T4
2: still is for explaining Adam Sessler. To be fair, g 4 is another show that most people don't really know about because it's on super late at night. It's called Feedback Live. Yes,
5: yes, yes. yes. yes.
2: Live is I went to the Feedback Live panel and it was hilarious. It was Feedback Live and uncensored. And what happened was they opened it with uh, Sessler Soapbox from a few years back where we went on a rant about how he would be fired from G4 before Duke Nukem Forever came out. (laughs) (laughs) And then then John St. John got on the mic and started talking like Duke Nukem about, about looks like it's time to get your pink slip, sonny.
1: Ah. Yeah, I haven't actually gotten a chance to see feedback. I, I did not even have cable, for gosh sakes, to be honest. Let breakdown feedback. It's everything you love about the G4 staff with everything you make gone on
2: Morgan Webb. So um, it's, it's, all the, it's all that greatness, you know, and, and instead of having this pre-scripted thing, what they do is they do kind of like what we're doing now, except on TV. They have, you know, topic, banter, amusing anecdotes, maybe a little cut to a, f- a funny clip, like it sets their soapbox or one of their other bits, and then it's just what we're doing now, except on TV. And the difference between it at PAX and it on the TV, is it was uncensored, so they could actually say what they wanted to say. So G4 should hire
1: us. Yes. Definitely. Yes.
0: yes, definitely. Would you really want to move out to California? I am uh, thinking I, about... Yes,
1: anyways, I so. would definitely like to okay. move back to California.
0: Follow-up question. Would you really want to work for Comcast? Do I have editorial freedom to say that Comcast sucks? You're being hired by Comcast. Do I have
3: editorial freedom to say Comcast sucks? Or at least criticize them for where they screw up.
2: It's Comcast, so no! Then no. Do I have a job right now? No. So yes, yes, I would (laughs) gladly work for Comcast. For me, technically, I've actually been
6: in the cable industry. I used to work actually for one of their competitors, Cox, and well, they kind of steered me wrong. So yes, yes, I would work for Comcast just to kind of you know, give them the whole what for.
4: So what you're saying, Zero, is you suck
1: cock right now. Only if it's shaved. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the things I guess a little bit more serious that I le- enjoyed was actually the keynote. Did anyone get to see the keynote? Yeah. Okay. I thought, I mean, this standard keynote, did a little biography about over the speaker, and there was a piece where he decided to go. Off and say, make a statement that I thought was interesting. He said that Will Wheaton was wrong. We are not unique because gaming is mainstream. When you have millions of people downloading iPhone apps and playing little random games in Farmville here and there, that means that gaming is mainstream and that we shouldn't be pissed off at casual gamers, but we can, we have full, full right to hate casual games just because I mean, we have, right, to hate what do we hate and like what we
3: like? At, at the media Q&A, Mike and Jerry, Gabe and Tycho had referenced that. I haven't seen the keynote, I haven't haven't heard the keynote but I gathered that he made the point that what we call casual gamers are still gamers and that it's kind of a unified front. You can hate whatever you want as far as games go because
2: that's kind of your right but you don't have the right to exclude these people from the gaming community.
1: Donate the player and hit the game. Yeah.
2: But on the same token and I actually got to watch a little bit in the little bit of free time I had on YouTube because it's already up. The question is not whether they're gamers it's whether they consider themselves gamers because we call ourselves gamers we call ourselves nerds. Most of the casual gaming audience doesn't.
6: And, and that's basically where my whole philosophy on it is. Basically, casual gaming is a great way to actually get people, you know, to actually identify the whole gaming culture. I and mean, yeah, casual gaming. I mean, anyone can get into it, and they maybe step into something that's got a little bit more advanced. You know, like uh, these Scott Pilgrim games and stuff like that. You know, the stuff that's you know you can pick up just for maybe an hour or two and put it down. And these people are eventually going to, you know, if they like it, they're going to step into you know more and more depth of games. And we're going to bring more gamers into the culture. And maybe if they're not, you know, into that, they're going to step away. That's fine.
1: There was another aspect actually that I thought was interesting, which was. That- developer side and that, you know, maybe developers don't want to always make games where you're blowing off someone's head off and they want to make something like, I know, Epic Mickey. (laughs) What about Braid? Exactly. I mean, when, I mean, that's something that's just absolutely beautiful, well constructed. I mean, the mechanics of it—it's just gorgeous. That was actually
2: one of my uh, has to do a lot with one of my regular questions for every interview I did. Uh, why get, uh, developers make certain games? And the general consensus between both indie and the major publishers is the major publishers make the titles that sell. When you are at a certain level, they, they say it flat out, once we're at a certain level, we can't afford to take those chances. That's why you get Raid, and and yet it moves, and things like that from indie developers, because they have nothing to lose. And, and that that's why I, I previously said, you know, how much I love the DLC indie stream that's coming.
0: Well, then, Mirror's Edge. Was that a mistake, then, on EA's part, to try and put out something like Mirror's Edge? I'd also argue that indie developers have everything to lose, because these
3: are the people who are, like, mortgaging their house to fund this project. Project.
1: Yeah, but then, but the thing is, is that they know that the only way that they're going to stand out from all the other crap that goes out is by just taking a huge freaking risk. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I meant. It's like they can
2: afford to roll the die a lot easier than somebody who's already established. Because these marketing firm for the bank companies, they don't want to hear, I have a fantastic idea for this amazing game. They want to they hear, so I have Gears of War 3. Exactly. Uh, it's,
5: it's, it's, They don't want to hear, I have a fantastic idea for this amazing game. It's, I have a fantastic idea to make you money.
1: And he, there was another big point was just the concept that more risk should really be taken because really, because about 80% of the profit for video games are wrought by about 20% of the games. But
5: here's, that, here's the problem. It's not going to happen except in the indie developers because the main developers are too scared of new IPs. We have them on occasion, but the problem is, is that even us as gamers, and I'm talking about the majority, not because I, mean, I know the few is in here, but the, even us as gamers, if a major publisher puts out something that's a new IP, look at Mirror's Edge. It wasn't a perfect game. It was a decent game. It was good enough for people to buy it and it pretty much bombed and they're not going to make
2: another one. <coughs> I, must, I, know I myself had actually a decent time with Mirror's. Edge. I, I own it. It's sitting at my house right now. Every now and then I'll, I'll play the time trials. But on the other hand, when we go against the major company versus uh, versus uh, indie game thing, there is one major company that springs to mind when I think of major companies that have made their entire fortune taking risk. That's Nintendo. Every yeah. technology that exists, every major like hardware, technology that it, that, it, that we consider awesome. At some point, Nintendo tried and either failed or succeeded. Let's see, where did they succeed? In the handheld market, they succeeded in... Uh, in they were the, well, the motion controls. They were the first that's, one. That's yeah. it, that yeah. was Max. Power Glove, you know, you've got the Power Glove. You've got, love. The, love. You've got love. The, their first attempt at, you know, a separate AI with Rob the Robot that failed. It. And you also have that failure, so like virtually. But the point is that throughout Nintendo's entire history, they were willing to roll the dice where nobody else would. So, two counterpoints. Not that I disagree. I
3: mean, Nintendo yeah. has really been kind of the innovators in the industry, but... Motion capture was not Nintendo. Uh, that was Sony iToy. And online matchmaking and party system and oh friend system Nintendo has and continues to fail at. Big time.
6: I mean, seriously, I mean, when you've got everyone else in the industry that's got a unified standard to make it actually fun and easy, and then you go into a, a stupid code system, it just doesn't make any sort of sense at all. It's like they went and just took the entire limp approach. So about this PAX thing we were at on the weekend.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's what I was trying to get at next. No, the, but the, I guess some... the, the Yeah, the, I mean, the something, I think, though, that I thought that I just really enjoyed was this concept that maybe we should just I know give social gamers a little less flack every so <laughs> <laughs> often. Okay, wait, no, wait, wait. Uh, 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 wait, wait. I think I think we can cool. all awesome agree that, that maybe question that's question. a good concept. One
5: quick poll, one quick poll as an aye or NAY. Who here has played and
1: enjoyed casual games? I,
5: uh, I, that's all of
1: us. Exactly. So the other part, though, I mean there are another a number of uh, other bigger events. Which when I say the bigger events are the ones that of course inclo- include include Gab and Tyco. Uh, you got the QAs. You had the uh, a megathon going on. Uh, was there was there anything out of the out of the QAs um, other than something we would talk about later, um, <laughs> or the or fun out of the megathon that you guys particularly caught out of?
5: Thirteen-year-old kid. There was oh. the there
1: extremely well-spoken thirteen-year-old. Oh
5: there was this kid. He was the first question of the second Q&A, and he said he had notes. And this was like the thirteen-year-old version of Jerry. I mean, just totally eloquent. Put where And everyone was just like, he just stated perfectly what this show is that we just stumble over trying to explain to people. Are we sure he wrote it? I wasn't there, so I don't know, but are, are we sure he's actually the one 95% I heard that his mom might have written it and had him say it, but the fact that he could actually pronounce some of those words that he was using is still amazing. So he was, so he was coached?
2: Yeah. Well, he well educated. <laughs> uh, I think the thing that threw me off the most is uh, I, I'm rolling into BYOC to grab my gear for the last time in that little muffy mood. And out of the corner of my eye, what do I see on the screen as they transmit the main theater to BYOC is a guy and a claw machine oh, yes. oh, yeah on. I, and, and all of the things I thought about when I thought you know what's the what's the what's the random last game going to be and honestly for a long time I had the theory that oh because game and Jerry are all about MNC that's what it's gonna be but not the last thing I thought was, it was gonna be was the claw game no no no,
0: no, 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 no. don't lie you, that wasn't even the last thing you thought you didn't think that was gonna happen not only that but it was a custom one as you could see on the top it said like the Omega oh, claw that's, or something. that's not custom, that was one panel being replaced. That's
1: easy to do. But
0: if they had a
5: mic in with the coins and they had a camera set up into it,
4: I'm pretty sure they had a <laughs> really
1: bad echo on that damn mic, but
4: pretty amazing. Um, I just loved that how much the audience got into the entire Omega Thon finale. Everyone sitting there chanting, uh, what was it? DTP, DTP. <laughs> yes,
3: <laughs> speaking as, as someone who is a former Omega Naut playing Jenga, I can totally believe the audience got into it. I've also taken a recording of BYOC and their response to it, we were shouting at a screen about this damn thing.
2: See, the funny part is is while they're all shouting, I'm just sitting there mouthing again because it took until till the Omegathon was over for my brain to completely comprehend that that's the fucking claw game.
1: I was just like, ooh, the claw.
5: <laughs> no, like being in there and we and we'll get to this hopefully maybe in a later, but actually Tony and I were it were like third pro from the front, so we were in there at the echo chamber of the band of the Bayonetta Hall or Benny Hanna how do you want to pronounce it? Bangerang. Bangerang.
1: <laughs> Bayonera <laughs> Hall. Um, yeah, Murphy from *Bruno called bang-a-rang. it the bangerang.
5: <laughs> it was the most intense gaming I have ever seen. I mean, I've seen the videos of the Halo 3 final. I've seen. I was there for the excite for the versus excite bike. I was there for the skee ball. I've seen the videos of this thing. Everyone was on the edge of their seat for this one. I mean, you couldn't help yourself. So here's a, a quick question, was it actually
6: gaming? It's an arcade game. I mean, it's I mean it's something you find like on the old uh, Coney Island type of stuff. So I mean, it's totally in the, the concept of
1: game. Wait, wait, now why do you say that?
6: Well, it more or
3: less just to provoke conversation. But I mean, it does it fit within our definition of
5: a game? And it,
3: you know, it's like casual
5: is ca- here, here, it is. We have we stole the term gaming from casino gamblers, the people who would go out there and pay money to gam- gamble. That game is essentially a gambling machine. It is still a game, but you're gambling. You're putting 50 cents in for the chance of getting something. So it, it's still, in the technical sense of the
0: term, gaming.
1: And I'm, I think any any kid who's gone to an arcade would tell you that it's
0: gaming. The, uh, it needs hand-eye coordination with that little joystick. You got spatial recognition to see where that claw is in X and Y axis. And then you also have to figure out, okay, do I go for the hat? Do I go for the muggle? Do I go for whatever those stupid things? Final Fantasy. Fantasy. I hate it.
3: I gotta say, by the way, so, uh, those guys were way better at the crane game than I was ever. Yeah,
4: well, <laughs> me me and Mojo were uh, watching this and going, man, I've spent my life on those school ta- uh,
2: claw machines. I haven't picked up one thing. One of them picked up five. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I, I have, as some of the guys in this room know, I have impeccable luck, and that's always shown through with me in Kalal games, so... This, it's one of those things that I've decided long ago that you either have or you want because I get bored when I go to the diner at three o'clock in the morning. So I've been known to go in there, grab something from the claw machine, set it on the counter, say, "Give it to the next child that walks in," and don't, don't, don't even say anything because I hate children. Just leave me alone about it.
0: Well, it's it's funny actually because um, it seems that the claw machines at some of the arcades and everything else like that will have a variable setting into the machine to actually give you how much grip the claw will have. That one had some
1: shitty-ass grip.
0: Well, I... Oh, the guy... No, that one had fantastic grip. There is no way that
3: first
1: skull thing should have actually come out. There were so many times where it was, it, it was just such a simple... It really should have had that freaking no build. No, 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 no. I've, 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 I've had claws that had a hell of a lot more grip than that. Then, but that, Then you had the claws set on easy mode. Then the arcade had the... I never touched the damn settings on it. But anyway, um, no. Nerd fight. Yes, here we go. Nerds but, um, I don't know, I mean, house. I, oh, one other cool thing, I loved, did, did anyone get a chance to see the darn, uh, that chainmail scarf that those guys made? Oh, dude, God, that, awesome. that was so
6: awesome, I mean, the, the amount of time that would have taken to make, I mean, ow, the fingers and the pain to make, damn.
1: It's like a blue and yellow, ten it's foot long chainmail scarf. Yeah, it was
6: like a whole Pac-Man theme on the whole thing on there, and then of course Jerry puts it on, you know, and throws it on like a winter scarf cast it over the shoulder and everything I'm just like Dude, that's awesome
5: <laughs> <laughs> do we want to talk about Moe's uh, little exploit in the Q&A oh the button, uh, fiasco.
6: The button fiasco okay so
5: uh, Beta Angel one of our friends he had the buttons for this year that everyone uh, was trading around to give to, to give Game Tycho and then he goes up there Moe forgets that he didn't donate his button so as Beta Angel is telling him about what we're doing Moe comes running up the aisle pins something on there gives a thumbs up to the camera guy and runs back down and Beta Angel Beta Angel handed the perfectly and was like Oh, thanks, Molly. Yeah, you're pretty late to the party. You fucking asshole.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a beautiful moment. Oh.
6: <laughs> just the grin and the thumbs up. Just
2: classic <laughs> move. Oh my oh, goodness.
1: I don't know. Did you have a particular moment here that you liked out of the out of the either Q and A's or was there any? Did you get to, Did anyone actually see any of the Omega Out rounds beyond just the final round? Because I didn't I see a goddamn the thing. Final one.
0: I caught a couple, a little bit of Puzzle Bobble because I've been a big Bust-A-Move fan. Bust, Bust-A-Move in my family has gone back since Super Bust-A-Move on the SNES. And so, like, always getting to watch the different iterations of that game on there, I've always wanted to see, okay, what's up next? The newer one is kind of ridiculous. We're actually able to predict. And you're actually able to uh, set up all your balls in advance. So you can actually set up patterns on there. And if you had a good enough Puzzle Bobble player, they can, you can just destroy somebody if you have a correct order of the balls.
3: I just want to say real fast, thank you for calling it bust a move not puzzle
0: bubble.
1: What? No, he's being—he's being serious. No, he's—he's he's actually complimenting you on that doing that. That's the
2: proper name for it, and most people don't get it.
0: Well, I know that they're one and the same. Yeah, except you keep calling it puzzle bubble. Bust a move. Puzzle bubble is bust a move.
2: No, actually, bust-a-move. tomato tomato. Okay. So
4: right. does it? Wh- i wh- i been in photo. I was pretty much busy every time there was an Maginot round. What was the music round? What what game did they play? Me me and some of the other enforcers were trying to work out what the hell
1: the music round was gonna be. Yeah, what well, what does does anybody know? What well, what was the music round? Was it just was rock band? It was just yes. rock band, I thought. It, it was rock band, I just don't
5: know
1: what number. Oh yeah, no no, I heard about that. It was it was basically it was a rock band where you had one where it ended up being one of the teams had everyone do like somewhat decently, and then you had the other team where everyone sucked except for the drummer on expert got every note except for two. Wait, they, and then they t- had team one. They let the
3: drummer plan. I expect when, I mean in previous years you were required to play at a certain difficulty
1: you didn't get to choose well, all I know is that apparently he, he's, uh, his ability to hit to basically sit at 4x for pretty much the entire freaking time except for titting, missing two notes at towards the end uh, basically meant that he carried the entire team through to the next round
0: so you're saying
1: he was a drum machine that would be exactly what I'm oh, saying
2: buzzing
1: <laughs> is that going to be a similar one <laughs>
2: No, actually, uh, my, mine was the actual play-by-play. You, you were
5: sitting on there going like, God, you're good. So,
2: give me the freaking so mic, I gotta say this. Guys, guys, you guys do not understand what just happened. He's sitting there swinging his arms back and forth like a champ. He's like, oh, God, I gotta fit. I gotta let it out before I scream. Actually,
3: the, the video camera's set up again, so this will be available. Oh,
2: fantastic.
5: What
1: happened? Don't worry about it. Go
3: stay on
4: here.
1: Okay, now, uh, whoa, you gonna oh. give it a blow-by-blow, or? <laughs> Happened because I I didn't get to see it, but the
2: two Omega that were in that round I, I actually got to sit and talk to for a while and um, essentially what happened was is the uh, everybody else on the on the opposite team didn't do bad enough to fail they just did bad enough to almost fail and the drummer kept them alive long enough for them for well, well, that his two notes beat the other team meeting like, missing like uh, twelve or fifteen notes each.
1: Yeah, it, a little one, a little crazy. But, um,
2: I guess
3: going... D- does anyone know if it was uh, Mike or Jerry's team that lost? Not a clue. You guys have another,
2: you guys have another bet? No, it,
3: Jerry's team has always lost, period.
1: Yeah, the music round?
3: Yeah, it, it, since they started Rock Band, Jerry's team has always lost.
2: That is true, that was at East
3: too. I remember seeing that at East.
1: Yeah, that that looks, that sounds like something that... I,
3: I don't know if that carried... <sighs> I don't know if that carried
4: through this year.
1: Ooh, uh. iPhone, or droid phone, or whatever, internet phone, a go-go for that? <laughs>
4: But, uh, well, there is an Omega nord down in Mo's room. We could always go ask.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Now, um, I guess now stepping away from WebHacks was setting up, of course, you got a bunch of attendees who like to have fun amongst each other and set up their own events. So uh, what are some of the different things that some of the people set up that you really liked and you were really, or maybe particularly proud of, or... I don't know, got rammed your sit- head in the wall over, or... Boughtineering. Uh, we did it again.
3: It was fun. It's always fun. It's fantastic.
0: Except now that I think... The buttoneering has gotten big enough that the um, exhibitors are starting to hand out their own buttons. When I mean, you go, somebody would be a buttoneer. Yeah, you'd be walking by and somebody would have a bunch of buttons on their on their lanyard, which is normally would signify, "Hey, I'm a buttoneer. I've got buttons to trade." You go, "Oh, hey, you're a buttoneer. Got buttons to trade?" and They're like,
3: "Uh." I actually have a solution, which is uh, Big Red, the the enforcer, had like a giant four inch button. It was huge, six inch button. It was a friggin' freaking change to make
1: each. Yeah, it's it was three twenty five each. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh if if Oh, shit. Uh, If we get into, if we get a common pool then that we could afford this, uh, all the buttoneers would get a very large button that just says, I'm a
5: buttoneer. That was was actually the perfect thing because there were a bunch of people who, I had Big Red's button on the back of my backpack, (coughs) and a bunch of people were coming up to me the entire weekend. Where'd you get that button? Oh, are you a buttoneer? No? Well, then you can't get it.
2: See, I I like the six-inch button concept because that means by the end of PAX, we will all have a set of button mail to wear home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, I just like the idea of having a big red button on my bag.
3: I did get stopped. Well, I didn't get stopped. There was no one at airport security except me and, like, five TSA agents, and one of them did ask, what's
4: on the buttons and what's the deal with that? Yeah, but the problem with that is the entire reason Big Red made that button was to troll the button ears going, oh, 1.5 inches is too big. We want one inch. So Big Red went, fuck you, I'm making a six-inch one.
5: That off your ass. And it happened to be the
2: most popular button that everyone was wanting. I no. Sumi's was the button I hunted down because I invented it. All Ninja pump, yeah. Ninja pirate, robot, zombie, unicorn is the greatest button ever made in the history of the button ears.
1: I thought it was a great. Oh, uh, is it
2: cool bow ties are cool. All right, I'll give you that one. That's just because you make a good tent doctor.
1: What, what, are, what are okay? So I think we got the buttons pretty clear. But uh, anything else that uh, there was some fun stuff yeah. that we had amongst the community? Well, we
0: had we had the train trip and the cross-country trip again for umpteen years running. The cross-country yeah. yeah. trip was one of the most epic cross-country trips ever, and not
5: epic in the sense of oh my god, this is fun. It was epic in the sense of we were fighting to get up here.
0: There was <laughs> rain, there was thunderstorms, there was flooding,
1: there was... Sounds jet- like a typical CCST.
0: I don't know. To quote Andy, meow, 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 meow. oh, I'm sorry, did somebody go and fly over here?
6: And the, yeah. uh, the beautiful thing about the uh, the, the cross-country Super Trip this year was the uh, Mega RV we had at the anchor uh, end of the entire trip. Dude,
4: yeah, your mom. Oh, the your mom. Your oh, God. <laughs>
6: <laughs> okay. Actually, okay, really, they do. Let really me explain this. So, so really explain this, so, was, so just, this yeah. was kind of my idea. So we got um, got out of somewhere, I think, in Montana. Yeah. Right after Glendive. Right, right after Glendive. Uh, so um, I got the idea, you know, because every time we stopped, I'm, I was just making off comments about the uh, the RV giving it different things, uh, names, you know, like the Mega Van, you know, the Wonder Loaf, etc. And So I'm just, um, uh, went over the radio, I'm just like, hey guys, we got a list of uh, names for this thing. Let's just think of things that we can name this thing. And for whatever reason, the two that resonated were the Mountain Muncher and your mom. And your mom just kind of stuck, and just everything just went off of that. I mean, from things like, your mom just looks really awesome from behind,
5: <laughs> to just... To your just. mom is very warm and cozy inside. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I am proud
3: to say, your mom came from my co-host, QS23, Andy Lowe.
1: I, I don't know, I, I actually kind of liked a, the Great White Hope. Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> the name of the RV. <laughs> no, okay, but let's let's talk about this RV for
5: a second. Oh my God, we're doing C C S T wrong. Yes. Oh God. Um. I got a delivery. Oh wow. Oh. That oh, yeah, pause. <laughs> Continuing on after our friend Joe was it? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your mom did have a cozy and warm interior. You walk in the front door and you see a forty-two inch flat screen H D television that's playing games. It's hooked up to a PS3, Xbox 360, and a modded Xbox, and also a media center. You turn to your right, and it's the front of the car. You see another 42-inch screen that has the maps that you need. You go to your, you go to your left and go to the back of the RV, two bunk, a bunk bed, and on the bottom one, you lay down, and you're looking up at a 26-inch. Flat screen television hooked up to
0: game consoles. This thing was freaking epic. It had its own grill too on the back yeah. that never got used, which I thought was a pain. But it was. Oh my.
6: Better next year to where we can find a place where we just have like an open Walmart parking lot just to grill out. Question: Was that somebody's property or was that a rental? It
5: was someone's property. Yeah. Was that real propane or charcoal? Propane. propane. Okay, and then
3: you can cook wherever. Yeah. Charcoal it causes problems when you try but, and cook on the run. In, in
0: case anybody actually wants to see it, the the website to check out is Road 2. The num the number Number two, Pax.com. That's the, those are the guys from Pennsylvania that decided to... Illinois. What?
2: Oh, sorry, Illinois. Oh, I was going oh, to say, right. I was about to be angry because I turned come down on, a ride now, from Pennsylvania. And if that was a ride I turned down, I might just have to, you know, never come to Pax again because I'll be too busy hanging myself, hanging <laughs> my head in chains.
0: No, no, sorry. I, uh, it wasn't from Pennsylvania. It was from Indianapolis.
2: There was, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, But it's road to Pack guys. Right. They're from. Uh, Ireland. Right. So so to be fair. Yeah, to, be, yeah. to, be, to be fair, yeah. if it's if it's from Pennsylvania, lie to me.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so, but and unfortunately, the one person, and unfortunately, the one person who might have gone on the West Coast train trip didn't because he joined us for the joined you guys for the CCSC. Yeah. Yeah, so, wrong. which is pretty awesome. But so all we know is that they showed up quite early. <laughs> For once. <laughs> For once. Exactly. And I just find I was just going to say, moving on right to a,
2: a any other uh, community events. The always class, my favorite event, because I didn't go on CCSD, was uh, the always classic Triwizard Pub Crawl. Oh, oh, God, no.
1: Okay, I'm going to make this statement, and everyone can punch me in the face over it if they want, but it was too big.
2: Yes. yes. I, uh, yes. So no, on, I on one hand, on one hand, I hate the Seattle Hills, this is some, I'll be honest, first time here. Guess what's not fun, guys? Steep hills plus a wheelchair. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> On the other hand, I learned why, well, I learned a, an important lesson that I never learned until I'm 25 now. And that is that 151 is both an amazing and cruel cool mistress.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, when you are Age 20. I mean, you had groups that were like about, you had groups like Hufflepuff that were in the 50s or 60s, and then you had stuff like Gryffindor, which was in the freaking, what, hundreds? It was retarded. There were over 500 people on
5: this pub call. But actually, I talked to Atlas afterwards. He figured out a way to fix it. Which is? He's going to limit every every house to 100. He's going to split every house in half, and they're going to go two different routes and meet back up at the last
1: bar. That That sounds good. Yes, actually. Yeah, I I like that. I like that. That'll make it a uh, a whole lot more... I guess just a lot less crazy, and not have to wait 30 minutes for a freaking drink.
2: I do have a question for everybody that was here that was on the pub crawl. Favorite bar on the route? Chapel, Chapel, by far Chapel. See, I I liked Barca, honestly. It was the
1: most. I don't think we. I even went to Barca.
2: Barca to me was the most chill spot there. Yeah, I think the reason everybody liked Chapel is because by that point, not a lot of regulars were there so we had the place to access, essentially to ourselves. As for, you know, drink prices, beer selection, all that kind of cool stuff that actually makes a bar a bar, I preferred Barker.
3: I didn't do it this year, but if I recall, Barker was the only ones last year who on the second year of the Triwizard took it seriously enough to get into it, and they had welcome packs, they had specialty drinks like Polyjuice they, Potion. They had those. And
4: that put yeah, them over the top.
1: Those Polyjuice days. Potions were freaking awesome last year, so we're kind of pissed off I didn't go to it this year.
4: I reckon the only reason you guys were saying that uh, the chapel was good Is because that was The home of the campers We decided to Screw True. walking around We had some of the enforcers Like Big Red And uh, some other people Who just couldn't be Screwed walking around Staying there The problem with them though Is that they only had Two bartenders They called in a herd Once the campers turned up To say Hey guys There's going to be A hundred and something Wizards here You better fucking Get some bit more help And they got one person
5: And I think that's the problem I think the biggest problem About it was is that it's not necessarily That it was too big I think it might have been The right size It's just that the bars Didn't believe someone when they said, hey, on a Thursday night, a random Thursday night that isn't any significant, you're going to have 500 people coursing through this bar in a matter of about six hours. And they were like, ah, yeah, you. And then they were like, holy shit. They were right. No, uh, but I think what I was going to say about the campers, I will fully admit it right here on the Internet. I was one of the people who were like, why the fuck are you camping? Half of the reason is jumping from bar to bar to bar to bar and by the end of the night I found myself hanging out with the campers
4: yeah it's a legitimate strategy <laughs>
5: <laughs> again
3: Barca at least historically is the only bar that's really taken it seriously which is why I've kind of go for them
1: yeah the um okay I'm going to break the subject on this one um so one of the other community events at least in my book that's
5: the quickest way to describe this well no okay. A late. okay I'm going
1: to want to hit this and go okay so we of course did the PAX prank this year and this time what we decided to do was to create a security service to escort random Paxers around Pax. Just go over and just coldly approach someone and then go, hey, you look like an important person. You need a security service to get you from here to there. And then we'd had another group of people that would follow them around and shoot photos, ask for their autographs, like try to get interviews, oh God! have John screaming at the top of his lungs down while fa- almost falling down an escalator. It was just it's so much fun. I got the most
3: experience as a paparazzi photographer this year at PAX, and it was so much fun. I need to go to LA. He showed, he, me, he
5: showed me some of his photos. He showed me some of his photos, and he actually
2: looks like a fucking paparazzi. It <laughs> really does. As of the end of today, the phone number for it had 223 different phone calls because that, because of Toast handing out those flyers, which means my fo- my personal phone has 223 <laughs> phone calls. <laughs> that's awesome
5: say okay we got to say this right now zero hour hero he uh, he had a very he had a very small part in our prank but it's a very important part he was basically the faceless home base what we called the mobile home base which you know he's, 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 he's but he, he Yeah. no he came, he came to us and said dude let me do it let me do this because no one will see me I can just walk around at the radio and talk and no one will see me
1: and it'll be just like you have a mobile home base and it worked out beautifully now, the, so, the thing though I thought was uh, we had a lot of fun with it we it took a little time to get into it but there were two big things that I that I really liked one we were able to escort someone from the Bandland area which is the fourth floor of the expo hall over down the stairs all the way out cross over to the uh, whatever what was the Sheridan. the Sheridan and then upstairs over to the Will Wheaton panel and we had two of the guys from Loading Ready Run being the guards to oh, guard yeah, these random people that was
6: people. so epic um, I mean just actually um, uh, originally of course we wanted to have Will Wheaton uh, join us but because of uh, certain extreme he, he was going, going to, to just due extraneous circumstances, consensus unfortunately he couldn't join us so we subbed in the Loading Ready Run run guys which honestly that's just as good better and th- they just loved it i mean just when they actually got outside and just got into it i mean they said this was the best thing that they had ever done
3: i'm i didn't notice it because i was trying to get you know paparazzi shots evidently
2: I almost got run over by a car well I, was I, uh, well I was there i was next to him and i was stuck on a, on a wheelchair ramp in front of him so it's kind of my fault
3: (laughs) like I was I was jumping around trying to get the the pink shirts the salmon security people to push me away and getting really up close in her face and I walked like into the street a little bit and almost got
1: hit the funny thing for me uh, from that particular one was that I got the call from Mojo who is the one who's heading up the schedule for Will and I get the call that at 606 we're supposed to be meeting Will at 6 at this place and Will's not gonna make it I'm like crap and I look to my right and there's Graham from Loaning Ready Run I'm like hey Graham how's it going he's like doing well I'm just uh, here for the prank, and I'm like, wait, what? So yeah, I talked to Johnny. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it was wonderful. And Johnny, Johnny, of course, always helps to save our asses, and burnt-toasted his awesomeness. And- yeah,
5: okay, all right, let me, let me say this, okay. Uh, I get a lot of the credit for the pranks, because I'm kind of the big guy here. I really don't deserve it, because Tony's been helping out a bunch, but this year, I was in IRC, and I said, I'm not doing a prank this year, because I don't have the fucking time. And then we started brainstorming just different things just for the hell of it, and we came up with this, and I literally said, Fuck, I don't have the time for this and this is too good of an idea And Berto up, uh, just stepped right up and just goes, I'll fucking do it And three months later, I mean, it is the most well-planned out, the most well-executed and it fucking showed So if, if you if listen to this, one, I told you this already, dude But if you listen to this, man, you rocked the shit out of it
2: this year Seriously One last thing for me If you do have half one of the flyers, uh, you got about 48 hours to call and listen to the voicemail Because uh, I'm disabling the number then 48 hours <laughs> from Sunday yeah. 48 hours from Sunday so to 24 hours <laughs> so <laughs> the time that posted, it's, it's already, started, it's already gone.
1: gone. Yeah, and then uh, I think it all culminated into a great one with oh, the God. Q&A, well. where we, okay, which this one, what we decided to do was we were going to escort someone to their question at the last Q&A for, for our finale, because we love we love to use the, the final Q&A uh, for our big finale. What we decided to do this time, though, is get Mike and Jerry into it. We gave, what we did was we found a random person who we knew was going to ask a question. We got their info and passed it along to, uh, passed it along to Mike and Jerry and as they were coming up the line they, it was just unassuming when they got as they started to get to the mic all of a sudden four guards swarm up around him take posts around him as he's at the mic I went up as the secretary to announce that yes uh, Mr. and uh, I this is why I suck at finding random John Smith Mr. Kruppel uh, no de Decia I swear to God his name head. was de Decia I don't know why why the fuck I'm, I'm, the get, I get you no, done I get you done no I don't know no. I got his business card and had it pushed uh, had it sent over to Mike and Jerry with someone to correctly pronunciated at least once to him so they'd have at least one <laughs> <laughs> example of Cruple well, De so I was like oh, Mr. Cruple De Sia has taken time on his busy schedule to leave you with one question and it was and uh, and, and you oh. should give him the common courtesy to give him an answer for it so here oh it goes
5: oh my god the two of them sold <laughs> It. They sold it so well. They were so
1: great at. They that. sold it so well that people were going on Google, to search his name, to go <laughs> just to find out who this asshole was and why this why Michael Jerry thought this asshole was so cool. It was brilliant. And the thing that I absolutely loved and made me feel like it went really well oh, no, was wait, no, the, the question. Is that what you getting at? Oh no, well no, then, no, no, there was yeah. The question was fantastic because he start, because he was talking about if he asked them if they had had any. A chance to be, uh, to see uh, the impact of Child's Play. And he then, he was like, and they were like not really too much, to be perfectly honest. And then he then described his own personal experience of how he was in a hospital on like a morphine drip not being able to do anything except for play video games. How did you find this guy? It, it was complete random. I just randomly...
5: Oh, random... shit! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I call shenanigans. <laughs>
2: Sorry, now, Tony personally hired this actor at a bus station in Seattle.
1: <laughs> so he asked this great question. We feel awesome. We immediately walk out off the side. As soon as we go through those doors, he gives all of us a high-five and says, That was freaking awesome. We're really happy. And there was just a fight. He tweets about us. He tweets about us. And and Mike and Jerry just had a freaking blast with it. we just it it was great I thought we I thought it was one of their best one of our best uh, pranks that we ever did and I thought a lot of people really enjoyed
2: it in summation from my view from behind y'all I think my favorite thing about the entire prank overall is as I was following you watching a train of random packs start to gather around you and listening to the conversations that we're having in the crowd who's that guy I don't know he must be somebody important who are these guys in the pink (laughs) shirts I don't know
5: one of the best comments and I was playing a fan one time I almost ate my shit on the bottom of an escalator for these guys we had as a band. When I got done, I was walking away. These two guys who were in there was like, either we missed something really fucking important or really fucking stupid. And I looked at them, I go, it was both.
1: <laughs> now, okay, um, the one thing I wanted to catch, uh, is there any other community events that you guys really thought were a big thing? Uh, and really, kind of solidified. Should we touch on the
3: Cookie Brigade? Yeah, yeah. Cookie yeah. Brigade raised like over three thousand dollars this
1: year. Oh no 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 no, no. One, gr- no, no one girl no no one girl no Jazzy she raised thirty five hundred dollars just herself. Yeah, so
3: they raised at least what, like five thousand
1: dollars seven seven
3: thousand. I heard seven.
1: They're
0: They're seven thousand nine hundred was the Almost final count. Seven thousand dollars for cookies. For yeah. Whoa.
1: And
5: I also, I also made it up because not only is that badass, but I want to thank her because for some strange reason. We had something to do with it, so we were gonna. We, the thing was, is that we we thought we were done after the second Q and A. We were like, all right, we're finished with this. It was awesome, but oh my god, it was stressful for for a bunch of people who were in it. She comes up to us, she goes, Yeah, you know, you're escorting us up up to the stage on the Megathon final round,
1: right? And we're like, oh, oh, that's a good joke. And she's yeah. like, she, we're, no, no, not, no. No. we're serious. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> And yeah, so, nice. so we like we go. Okay, fine. We get all this shit together. We rush over the thing. She gets us over in. She get, We so we start. We uh, are getting ready to walk over into the theater. We and then this, we we meet this enforcer Tango, and he flat out tells us. He
5: goes, "All right, put on your pink shirts." Well, we like to wait. No, put on your fucking pink shirts, because if you don't do it, you're not going where we're going. Okay. And he was kind of. And he was kind of mean. Not, I shouldn't say mean. He was very strict. Like, the security forces typically are, which is understandable, to do all this stuff. And he brings us down, and as soon as he gets us down into our VIP booth, it was like a switch flipped off in him. Was like, it's like, he's, like, really straight the whole way down, and then a switch flips, and he's like, dude, I fucking love you guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, there was enough time for us to be able to do the escorting the cookie brigade over to, uh, to uh, Mike and Jerry. For that Omega Naut final round, but we still did end up having fun. We got great seats. We were right in the front for it, and oh, it was no, a lot of no. fun. Uh,
5: uh, another guy, Pride, he did a, a fantastic job. He was an enforcer who helped us out on this, too. But he had the idea of, well, if we're down here and we're not doing any escorts, I'm going to put on my glasses and my earpiece, and I'm going to sit up and look menacing.
3: I'm going to moderate the moderator again, uh, because if I. Yeah, we got to move on
1: to the random topic. No, we don't. Yes. No, we do. No, we still got like 15 minutes? No, no. we don't. No. We're at an hour and 15 minutes. Yes. And you said we have an hour and 30 minutes. Ah, <laughs> no? Johnny, we, we right, simmer down, simmer down, simmer down. Okay, so what's the random topic? Um, since I
0: didn't actually have a random topic list here, we generated one. We generated one. Um, business cards, especially at PAX. There's a lot of them. Everybody's got them. All the media.
1: It's the only way I was able to get to Mike and Jerry with how the hell to pronounce that guy's I name. Mean. I had a. I, I the, the uh, place that
2: I got my business cards put too much ink on them, so they all smeared. Oh no! The day before pack.
5: Where oh, did no. you? Okay, actually, no. Um, side story. I played a. I, I went to this party on Friday. They ha- They let me play a couple chips in the show. They do a podcast. It's sarcastic gamer. You've heard about them. They do extra life. It was the extra life kickoff party. One of the guys, Lono, invited me to come onto their onto their podcast to talk about my music. And he was also interviewing the girls from Game Crush, which you know we all make jokes about it. I got a chance to talk to them outside. They actually know their shit about video games, so. So I mean, they're not too bad about it and it's not a cam site. At least that's what they tell me. I don't know from personal experience. But they've got really cool business cards where it's them playing online and on the back it has all of the games that they play and all the stuff that they're into. So.
0: And they're really cute. I, what type of information would you guys say needs to be on a business card? Because I've got the name. I've got, well, I've got Anthony. I've got Andy on there. I've got the podcast. I've got the address, telephone number, cell phone number, Twitter, gamer tag, Facebook page.
5: That's way more than I did. That, that might that's be over. Right? Like,
4: Andy, that's way too much. That Andy. is way too much. My, my ones that I got made because I was working with VIP and needed to give them to people to say, hey, if you need me, you can get hold of me. Mine just has my cell number, uh, email, Twitter, and gamer tag. And my, well, my name and handle, of course, well,
3: because well, they... What's important to have your name? Out. Really, name, purpose, contact. That's and
1: pretty. you really only need one. Like, I, I, I always actually hold it to the name, purpose, and then email address. I, because you can always always send off an email and then send the rest of the contact information. Emails, uh, like you take that... Easy, relatively easy. One thing rather than bombarding with like 15 freaking contact points.
2: What I was gonna say is, what I actually do is on one side on the uh, cards that I used to have for the Naked Gamer, I, Naked Gamers, I would um, put uh, the logo and what's that? that, uh, What's it called? That Bluetooth? there, the uh, scanner tag and the the QR code and the QR code actually holds all my in-depth information, my Twitter, my gamer chat, all the little pretty good way to do all the BS that should not be actually on the entire business card. And on my proper business card, on the back, it says J. Bickford, the Naked Gamers, Contributing writer, XBLA, blah, 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 and then JB at my at, at the, at the website.
3: Especially with uh, the, cab, the smartphones coming out, all the Android devices, the iPhones, uh, QR codes are huge now. My phone
0: wouldn't be able to handle it. That's
3: your
6: phone sucks. You have a four-year-old
1: BlackBerry clunker. You, you really need to upgrade, sir. <laughs> and also, to be perfectly honest, that like... I mean, to be blatantly blunt, when you have three quarters of your business card covered with contact info, you're taking away from the opportunity of putting a good digital design on there that will really that will really capture the eye of, of the person and keep making them go, oh, that's a really cool one. I'm going to stick this on the top of the pile.
0: What? Why,
5: Johnny, why do you have cards from Game Crush? Like I said, they were on that podcast, and literally they were like, they were so outgoing that I was just like, hey, you're here, here's a card. It's like I'm, I'm like, I I'm was like, I don't even know you. They're like, they were like, hi, how are you? You a gamer? Yeah, here. Just, just, okay. just as long as you're not going to actually you know, no. use the service. I'm not, they were cute and they're really awesome to talk to and they know their shit, but no, I'm not. Like A, I can't afford it. B, I'm not that guy. <laughs> hey, and
0: hey, hey,
5: hey, hey, I'm, hey, more sorry. important. Yeah, that's
3: your primary reason I can't afford it. That's great. Good job. Man with priorities.
5: Okay. Okay. So I want to say, I want to say something to this. uh, Two things. Uh, First off, I've been here. This is my third year. This is Tony's third year. This is your third. This is cousin's third year. RC's fourth year. Well, you Not had ca- eight. I was
2: at eighth. You ready? Kind of eight. So sport? so yeah. We'll count it, we'll That's count like it one and out. a half. So, okay. Yeah.
5: So all right, we'll call it one and a half. Zero's been here twice. Dave's been here six times. One and a five and a half times you're counting. Five and a, a half. half. Okay, whatever. Just okay. Five times for me. Five times for Andy. I am the PAX veteran. Was this two. was this the best PAX ever?
1: No, not for me because the first PAX was my uh, was my favorite PAX. Having the impact of doing the bad horse, which still is the best prank for me, and then also having just um, one the ba- that was some of the m- most fun games I ever came across and got to play at that time with the demos that they had. Uh, it was the amazing experience of meeting all of the kick-ass people that are currently sitting around me, and uh, just, the, just oh my gosh, everything being brand new and sparkly and beautiful and unique and just. Wow. Um that still lingers and that's still just it, there's a nostalgia to it that cannot that is not Billy really Silver. So- oh uh, yes, in a very very short answer, but okay.
3: Um no and I'm I i can not really go into this in much detail. It's it's like saying that there there's a finite amount of love. Is it's not true. There is no best packs. All the packs are fantastic.
2: My thing was this is my first year as media at any event ever. So to go from a regular attendee where it's like haha everything's fun and great to I have to work sometimes was horrible. On another note, I also was working on a side project for some people that you know set up PAX which was to uh, start working on better plans for accessibility for people with special needs so I had most of PAX that wasn't on media was spent just looking around going what can we improve I realized that as much as I love PAX it's accessible physically but a lot has to be done in the ways of uh, getting awareness to to physically able PAX about the disabled one
1: and um, out of curiosity would you be willing to uh, maybe have contact uh, emails from others other handicapped individuals that went around PAX to maybe you get their input on it.
2: Oh yeah, I'm always, I'm always up to that. I, I, I mean, I was in talk with the guy from MapleGamers.com uh, earlier at PAX, and I, I've got, I've been talking up to everybody else that I, I meet that, that is a disabled gamer. Toss out, you know, the Toss out. My website is www.theNakedGamers.com, and uh, you can, look, if you look on that site, you'll find me under Jay Bickford, or you can always send me an email. I'm always open to anybody's emails. I like to, you know, BS on a regular basis at ZeroHourHero,
1: all spelled out, at gmail.com. Yeah, so if you came, so if you're from, you went to Prime or East, I would, I mean, send them off an email and give some inputs. Uh, if you're familiar with that concept, or you're actually with, uh, with some of the procedures and and what what are some of the structural necessities for? As, as well as if you're handicapped, because that could probably end up helping you a, a lot.
0: Andy. Uh, short answer, no. It just seemed the panels were not the best. The Expo Hall seemed way too many people in lines. It, it almost had a little bit of feel of uh, the Center Mayberry Center from Maybury Center. From those lines that here was just ridiculous. Yeah. Whatever the other, the old yeah. Belleville.
5: Bellevue. I, Bellevue. Okay. Bellevue. Wait, wait, wait. No. I didn't, wasn't even here when it was in Bauer, and I knew it was called made I in write re-
2: on a regular basis for the Prime as East
5: Seattle. Okay, I'm going to say yes, and simply because in this pack, I was able to relax, I was able to to be able to do stuff, and then I had some of the most freaking fun I ever had. I was able to see some of the expo hall, some of the panels, some of my friends,
1: hang out some of the time. You got the proto men to now want to make you a rock star. That's
5: part of it. Oh, John and
4: Nero. Um, I'm kind of with you Tony and I'll say no that probably my first year was the best year because all of the stuff that I got to do but I mean this year had amazing point like, like Dave I think all packs are good for different reasons we, I mean this year but this year one of the things that did kind of sour was the, just the expansiveness of packs. having having main theatre of Benaroya from an, from, from a Bang from, from an enforcer point of view that were, and especially someone who's looking after bands that was a logistical fucking nightmare we had so much trouble with that so, yeah and uh, so did a lot of the bands and so, yeah, that, that kind of soured it a little in terms of work. But in terms of going around and enjoying things, this was fucking great. I, I, again, they, they keep outdoing themselves. I mean, next year, I think we're not going to have a queue room at all by the looks because the only place they
6: can expand is that queue room. For me, um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best, but uh, I will definitely say I had a lot of fun this year. I'm, uh, more on the social aspect than with the actual uh, um, uh, with the actual event itself. Like, basically, just a lot of more chill stuff, like hanging out with you guys, hanging out with the load-ready run guys. And basically, just, you know, kind of schlepping at the entire packs. So that was what was fun to me. The panels and everything else. I mean, we're they're okay. But I mean, overall, I mean, I've got to say, I mean, it's like either my first or second year would definitely be way over the top better.
3: Okay. Cool. Well, I right. uh, I'm gonna seal the mic from the moderator. I just want to give everyone
2: one chance to kind of plug their own websites. Uh, so zero, you first. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can always find me at the Naked Gamers, which is www.nakedgamers.com. I'm pretty sure if you Google it, you will find it, and it's, uh, it's an easily rememberable place.
5: Johnny. Uh, yeah. www.gamecrush. Wait, no. Um. <laughs> No, uh, it's uh, epic. It's ep- epicdefault. Uh, actually, I don't really participate too much too much more in that. Besides trying to edit some podcasts whenever I can, Tony does more
1: though. Yeah. So yeah, but just go to epicdefault.com dot You'll find all the information there with all the great stuff we have.
6: Um, I don't have a website, but um, if anyone wants to get in contact with me at any time, it's rcars2, r-c-a-r-s-2, at gmail.com.
4: I'm currently homeless, but, uh, well, in terms of websites, because Leapix has died, and I'm soon bringing up a new one about my role-playing game experiences, um...
1: I don't really put- We're trying to get you to oh, join our God, website. Think,
4: uh, can see YMCA going on
1: in the background. <laughs> That's a YMCA. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah, so...
0: So that was a uh, complete craziness. Um, thank you everybody for this. Oh, so, my God. The editing's going to kill me. All but,
5: right. Hey, hey, hey. hey at least it's right. not as bad as last year, 08. Yeah. yeah. That is true.
1: Okay. All right. No, you wait. said... Okay. No, no, no. I'm not, no I'm like... You said an hour and 30 minutes. This is an hour and 28 minutes and 27 seconds.
5: Good. Okay. So be... minutes, no, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. wait to on on minute, don't, don't stop left. recording. Hang on second. All right. stop recording again. No, no. He's still recording. Okay. All right. His last time that Dave, Kaza, Andy, Tony, and myself were at a podcast, doing a podcast here. We ended with a toast. So I'm gonna end with another toast.
2: Meat um, hey, liquor. But I, I toast I toast and stuff. I like that I, I admire a man with a giant
5: go, bottle. Go. Okay, so to good friends, to good times, to packs, to all podcasts, to everything that we ever do being the most awesome thing we can ever do. Here's to you, here's to me. Friends shall we always be? Should we ever disagree? Fuck you, here's to me.
4: Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. Fuck you, you Tucker Max plagiarizing bitch. <laughs>